Hello, this is Delta Dispatches. We are discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert. And I'm Simone Malas. Simone, it's great to have you back. Did you miss me? I missed you so much. How is it on the other side of the Mississippi River? It was interesting. They have these things called like bluffs. Have you, have you heard of such a thing? It's is a, that like a levee? I don't know. I don't even know what it was. I didn't even get that far. So, But you had a great show. I listened to it uh, when it was on a podcast, and it was great. I missed a lot. Yeah, it was wonderful having, you know, Mark Schlefstein and the whole Times Picayune Coastal Reporting team on. You made the headlines. <laughs> they did a little, you know, piece about being on. Um, and Talked about bugs and snowballs. Bugs and snowballs, right? You can't go wrong. So, you know, as it has been for many weeks now, it's been an uh, important week for the coast. Um, we had some uh, updates coming from the legislature. Is that right? Sure. So yesterday, the uh, state's master plan moved off of the Senate floor, um, and it now goes over to the House side. Uh, and it actually, it's going uh, on a pretty fast track now. So it'll be heard Monday and Tuesday on the House side. And so another busy week next week, too. And frankly, we're doubling down on today's show, too, huh? Two in-studio guests and two of some of our favorite people, too. I know. It's a great show, and we're actually going to be kind of mixing it up this week, and we're going to be staying on for both because we have such wonderful guests yes. we didn't want to trade off so we're both going to be inter- interviewing our guests and so what are we talking about today it's national infrastructure week yeah you've been partying all week i know oh yeah there's been you know a lot of party of, of with in- infrastructure today we're talking about specifically natural infrastructure so you're you know, wetlands, marshes, barrier islands, essentially, you know, coastal restoration and how a lot of the projects that are in the master plan do serve as uh, infrastructure for our coast and, and for the nation. Yeah, so we there's been a lot of infrastructure talk with this new administration. And certainly, you know, people think of roads, bridges and other traditional forms of infrastructure. Um, but we have some of the best of the best in today to talk about the blending of both that traditional infrastructure and that coastal infrastructure. So we can have a good show today. That sounds good. So joining us first is Lacey McManus with the Greater New Orleans Inc., um, GNO Inc., as some folks might know, uh, and she is the Director of Program Development. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Lacey. Thank you so much for having me today, Jacques. I'm so excited to be in studio with you guys. Yeah, it's great having you here and in studios. I know your your offices are not too far from here. Tell us a little bit about Geno Inc. and kind of your overall mission. Um, I know you've been very active in New Orleans for a while, helping the you know, really uh, expand the economy, create jobs. So give us a rundown of the good work that you all do. Sure. So Geno Inc. is actually the Economic Development Alliance for the 10 Parish Greater New Orleans region. So even though we have New Orleans in our name, we certainly represent equally Jefferson Parish, St. Bernard Parish, Plaquemines Parish, St. John the Baptist, St. Charles, St. James, and then on the North Shore, St. Tammany, Tangipahoa, and Washington Parishes. So we love our 10 Parish region. Uh, and really is the Economic Development Alliance, what we're charged with doing is acting as a catalyst for wealth generation in Southeast Louisiana. So that really boils down to bringing in jobs and industry to the region and also retaining the jobs and industry that we currently have. That's great. And, you know, speaking of, you know, the greater New Orleans region, I grew up in Plaquemines Parish in Braithwaite. I went to school in New Orleans and Jesuit boy. But, you know, after high school, I left and I went out of state for college and I worked for a while uh, in other parts, but I always wanted to come back. And, you know, growing up, we heard a lot about the the brain drain, right? That, you know, there weren't a lot of jobs for young people in New Orleans that wanted to live and work here. But in fact, that's kind of turned into somewhat of a brain gain, right? And, and thankfully, I've been able to come back. Others have, and we have new people moving to New Orleans now in the greater New Orleans region who haven't before. So tell us a little bit about that trend and, um, you know, how GNO Inc. has supported it. 
Sure. So actually, my boss this afternoon sent a great quote that really, I think, encapsulates what we do in economic development. And that is economic development is about creating the conditions where people want to risk their capital. And I think we can think of capital in a really traditional sense as just being dollars, right? And funds and financing. But I think it's more than just that. I think it's also their talent, their time. Um, In the case of New Orleans, in many instances, their youth, their 20s, uh, maybe even their 30s and 40s as well. So when you're actually thinking about creating an environment and a condition where people want to invest of themselves, their time, their talent, their dollars, et cetera, we really have to make sure that we're not just bringing in jobs and industry, that we're not just creating those business development opportunities, but we're also creating what we call at GNOE product development as well, which is really the atmosphere, the brand, the attraction to capital, the policy frameworks, et cetera, that really allow those jobs and those industries and those businesses to thrive and prosper, that allow those individuals to come to the greater New Orleans area and realize that this is a place where they want to grow, where they want to raise a family, where they really want to invest. And so I think that our our focus on those two pieces of business development and product development is a lot of the reason why we're seeing the brain gain that we have post-Katrina. I think that we had a really sexy comeback kids story. A lot of people wanted to be a part of one of the biggest urban renaissances in American history. But I think the reason that they've stayed goes a lot deeper than that. Uh, It really speaks to our culture. It speaks to our commitment to the economy, to our ways of life here in Southeast Louisiana. And I think that's what's driven so many folks, not only back here, but allowed them to stay and really compelled them to stay as well. So speaking of bosses, your boss, Michael Heck, has been a tremendous leader in what you just talked about. And even today, there was a great letter to the editor published, but about coastal issues, right? And so, you know, he's been able to seamlessly marry that the coastal issue to exactly what you're talking about. So why don't you tell everybody about the letter to the letter that appeared today in the, in the NOLA.com? Sure. So the letter to the editor uh, that Simone just referenced actually really reaffirms our stance and our position supporting uh, the state's coastal master plan, which I'm sure if you're tuning into this program, many of you are familiar with. But essentially, the state of Louisiana has a 50-year, $50 billion master plan to protect and restore our coastal assets here in southeast Louisiana and across the state as well. So for the greater New Orleans region, this plan is a really critical framework and roadmap to ensuring that our businesses, our economic assets, our culture, our ways of life, all of those wonderful things that I just talked about a few moments ago are able to stay here and exist here in perpetuity. And that's really what Michael's letter today was about, was was connecting the economic development work that we do, that what we're really known for with that master plan. It was also about connecting it with the National Flood Insurance Program, which is up for reauthorization in 2017 at the federal level. Uh, What we saw a few years ago with the flood insurance prices spiking as a result of some federal legislation and some federal implications was that a lot of folks were getting priced out of their homes, potentially, uh, homes that they've been investing in and protecting and upgrading and uplifting for many, many years. So the number one wealth building asset for many families was underwater as a result of spiking and increasing flood insurance prices and premiums. So really ensuring that we're protecting that, that we're protecting those financial investments on the federal level through federal advocacy is a huge focus of GNO Inc. And tying that work in with the Coastal Master Plan on the local level really, uh, I think, helps buffer our position here in Southeast Louisiana, making the case both nationally and locally that we're doing everything that we can on the ground to make sure our folks can stay in their homes, to make sure that our economies and our communities can thrive and prosper sustainably for as long as possible. So even though I was in Minnesota last week through the internets 
in case you mm-hmm. haven't heard of that, the internet, um, they have this um, amazing thing where you can watch the Louisiana legislature from wherever <laughs> you are. So I was lucky enough to watch um, the proceedings last week in, in the legislature, and you testified at Senate Natural Resources. You brought your chairman of your CCRE committee, mm-hmm. correct? Um, so thank you for testifying um, and to going and, and taking that civic action and being at Senate Natural Resources, but also, you know, bringing somebody along like your chairman of your CCRE. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that is, uh, what kind of initiative that is for, for GNO Inc. And, and tell us why you felt like y'all needed to be there. Sure. So CCRE is, uh, that actually stands for the Coalition for Coastal Resilience and Economy. And that's a group of business leaders that GNO Inc. formed just a few years ago because we recognized that there were a lot of folks who were advocating really passionately on behalf of coastal restoration and the Coastal Master Plan, but you didn't really have a concentrated voice of business advocates, folks who were engaged in coastal restoration and engaged in advocacy around the master plan from a business perspective, recognizing that their business interests, their financial interests would be at stake if this plan and if our coastal restoration efforts weren't implemented. So what we did was put together uh, this group, CCRE, and it's essentially executives from across the greater New Orleans region. We also have representation from the Bayou region and the capital region as well. And it's many folks who frankly didn't know too much about coastal restoration a few years ago, but they had an interest um, and they wanted to be engaged. They wanted to make an impact and have a voice. So with the help of you guys and many of your colleagues in the environmental community, we started doing overflights and boat tours and lectures and briefings and presentations. Um, And before we knew it, we were flying up to D.C. to meet with the Department of Commerce Secretary, uh, Penny Pritzker, at the time to discuss coastal restoration activities with her and really make the case for Louisiana from the business community perspective. Uh, We were going up to uh, Baton Rouge, as you saw last week. Uh, testifying before uh, Senate committees and whatnot on behalf of the master plan. So what we've done over the last few years is put together a really nice group of business champions who are well-versed in the issues facing restoration and can really advocate effectively for it. Yeah. And Lacey, we, we, we're about to head into a break and we want to talk a lot more with you about um, the good work that Gino Inc. does and, and you yourself. Um, first, I have to ask, we now have a direct nonstop flight to London Heathrow. Yeah. And I know you all have been working to put the international back in Louis Armstrong International Airport. So tell us a little bit about that. Have you taken the flight? I haven't taken the flight yet. I'm actually taking on Wednesday the direct flight to Frankfurt, which is the Condor flight. So now we have several direct flights servicing New Orleans uh, with the rest of the world, really. It's unbelievably exciting. It's going to impact not only our, our residents' ability to travel and see the world, but also our businesses' ability to come in, uh, make New Orleans home, and fly to meetings across the world as I'll well. take that nonstop to London. I think you are taking it, is that right, <laughs> in a few weeks? All right, well, we're about to head into a break. Um, for those tuning in, this is Delta Dispatches, and we'll be back right after a commercial. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress that has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. 
National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. All right, we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. This is Jacques Hebert. This is Simone Malas from Restore Retreat. I'm, I was just thinking, like, we should do an after show, like, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> about, after... about what we talk about during the break. Well, after since... the show is the after party, right? <laughs> right, right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we are fortunate enough to have some great guests today um, on the show with us because it's National Infrastructure Week. And so we're not just talking about traditional infrastructure. We're also talking about coastal infrastructure. Yeah. And uh, right now we're returning with Lacey McManus from the Greater New Orleans Inc., Jano Inc., um, Lacey, you know we like to keep it fun, and now uh-huh. our fun uh, questions have made the news. So <laughs> your fun question, I know you grew up in Baton Rouge, is what is your favorite slide at Blue Bayou? Oh, my God. Well, obviously. I have a feeling Lacey doesn't go to Blue Bayou. You know, I'm not going to lie. It's been uh, probably about 20 years. It's been a while. For the whole, summer concert series? Oh, dude. Here's, here's I'm going to show my age real quick for those listening in. Uh, I was, let's see, I was probably in college when they built Dixie Landing. So there wasn't really a summer concert series growing up, unfortunately. But my favorite slide is definitely, and I don't know if they still have it, but the uh, that the black water moccasin one. Mine too. And yeah, I also, I, you know, I'm from the days of pre-Dixie Landing and concerts. It was just, I don't you even know. know you two or <laughs> you people. I grew up in Homa. We had uh, Waterland USA. Ooh. Okay. Yes, our next National. guest, our next guest, Joni, can talk about that. So, <laughs> us kids who grew up and they had to play in the bayou in the front yard, y'all had Dixie <laughs> <Slipping> Landing. <laughs> All right, so um, fun time is over. Lacey, um, growing up in Baton Rouge and uh, being here, in, I guess, growing up in Baton Rouge, would you have ever said New Orleans is a coastal city? Probably not. I certainly really, I, I honestly, I never really thought of Louisiana as being a coastal state. You know, we have long coastline that literally stretches from one end of the state to the other but when we go to the beach we typically don't go to louisiana right. beaches you go to girl, alabama you don't go to the fouchon beach come i don't on, girl. go to the fouchon beach you know but i'm seeing all the good they work don't let Joan- you on <laughs> i know i've seen all the good work joni's doing down there and i gotta say if ever y'all open up for some residential real estate it's a lot closer <laughs> than destin and 30a they got some nice sand out there now girl <laughs> they mm-hmm. do just look out for the least sand. turns <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> but no, I don't think I would have ever uh, quantified or qualified New Orleans or Louisiana, frankly, as being really coastal places. So I'm not even going to ask you what you think about it now, because, of course, the answer is yes. New Orleans is a coastal city. You know, one of the things that helped bring to light that New Orleans is a coastal city is certainly Hurricane Katrina and, and some of those events that brought, unfortunately, New Orleans and, and Louisiana as a, a coastal state to the to the forefront but thinking about the more positive aspect of that, Geno Inc. played a real big role in the commemoration of the 10th anniversary. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, the role that y'all played in K-10. And then, you know, I think it was part of that re- revitalization story. But let's talk a little bit about K-10 and what that meant to Geno Inc. Sure. So that was a real opportunity for us to show how far we've come as a community, but I think also to be very frank and really honest about some of the areas that we still need to improve in. So even though we've had extraordinary economic gains over the last um, now 12 years, almost 12 years, um, but at the time, 10 years since Hurricane Katrina, we still have a number of areas that we still need to work on. Um, We're not perfect. We're still uh, an evolving city, an evolving community, as most places are. But I think one of the most exciting things that we were able to do during that week was really highlight the environmental story of New Orleans and connect it with the economic renaissance as well um, and show not just how far we've come again, but where we have to go. So one of the things that we did that week, um, in addition to sitting on a number of panels, <laughs> you got paid it, per panel. Ooh, we, if only, if only we called it panel palooza. But we did take. Um, I was probably um, with some of your colleagues, with some of our environmental organizations, and with uh, CPRA, the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority, probably doing two or three coastal overflights a day for that week. Um, we were spending a lot of time in Bell Chase at Southern Seaplane. I will give a shout out to Lyle and Rhonda. Thank you both <laughs> forever and always. Um, but we were taking journalists from across the world up in overflights to really see uh, what our landline was looking like now, what our coastline looks like, and also some of the great projects that are currently on the ground and underway. So they got to see the crisis, but they also got to see the opportunity and really see that framed both in the economic sense as well as the environmental sense. So I think really showcasing that picture, showing that we are really at the tip of the spear here in Southeast Louisiana, dealing with our environmental crises, that was a huge opportunity during K-10, and we were really thrilled to be a part of it. Right, and I think that you know really came to the forefront, and it's also you know something that, our groups believe, I believe, you know, obviously Jano Inc. does as well, the importance of the environment and industry kind of working together. And, and no place is that more clear than here in Louisiana. We're going to talk to, you know, Joni, Joni talk next segment about the working coast. But I want to ask a little bit about, um, you know, Katrina and some of those overflights. I know you took up um, Sean Donovan at yes. the time. Um, and so for our, you know, listeners who may not be familiar with who he who he is and who he's, what he did in the prior administration, can you tell us a little bit about that and how, you know, that flight may have helped move forward one of the most critical projects? Sure. So Sean Donovan at the time, um, he was actually a secretary of HUD, the uh, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development for a number of years. But prior to um, the, the end of the Obama administration, he was actually the director of the Office of Management and Budget. So Basically, he was the accountant for the United States of America. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, big boss indeed. So we were able to take him and a few of his colleagues from the White House on an overflight again with CPRA and with many of your environmental colleagues uh, to really show for him up close and personal the crisis that we're facing and also the opportunities that we have to mitigate this crisis and to amend and alleviate some of these challenges. And so we were very frank with him that one of the major barriers that we see on the horizon is permitting delays. 
So it's not really an issue of can we do these massive infrastructure projects, but will we be able to do them in time because there's so much paperwork and so much red tape at the federal level to move these unprecedented infrastructure projects through. And so because we were able to really illustrate for him the need and make the case for him um, as to, uh, I would say, the unbelievable amount of data, research, thought, community input, et cetera, that's gone into the Coastal Master Plan, uh, he was willing when he got back to Washington, D.C. to work for a, a few months in cooperation with us, with CPRA, et cetera, to put one of the key projects from the Coastal Master Plan onto what's known as the federal dashboard. And that's actually, uh, to the best of my understanding, and I'm not an expert on permitting, but it's actually um, an opportunity at the federal level to put a massive infrastructure project in a position to have those permits expedited and move much more swiftly and efficiently through what, again, can sometimes be a rather onerous uh, federal and bureaucratic process. Do you really think, Lacey, that's one of our biggest challenges ahead? You and I talk about financing all the time. That's a whole nother show. Um, But I mean, do you really think that that's probably one of the biggest hurdles. Yeah, I do, honestly. Um I you know, I'm it, it's very exciting that we're doing these huge projects that have never been done anywhere else in the world. That's a huge opportunity for our industry, for our labor, for our brand, frankly. But at the same time, I think we also have to be cognizant that it's a it's a pretty extraordinary stress for some of our regulatory entities at the federal level who really have to do their due diligence, making sure these projects don't do more harm than good. And so I think we have to respect that it's putting a, quite a bit of pressure on these entities. But at the same time, we all have to be working together to come up with meaningful solutions. We have to restore the environment now. So well, that's two subjects we need to talk about financing and permitting on whole nother episodes. Absolutely. And Lacey, thank you so much. And thank yes, you thank so much you, for Lacey. the work thank that Gino Inc. does. We, we um, appreciate it. Real quick, we're almost out of time, but website, Twitter for Gino Inc. Genoinc.org. You can find us on the web, Facebook, just plug in Gino Inc. Same with Twitter. All right. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. I'm Simone Malaz from Restore Retreat. And this is Jacques Hebert from Audubon, Louisiana. We have waited for this day. One of our most favorite shout outs is here in studio with us, Joni Tuck. Welcome to Delta Dispatches. Why, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, Yes, this is a first time caller. (laughs) And uh, I'm so excited to find out what happens when an A-Bear, a Terrio, and a Blanchard (gasps) roll up Uh, the radio station. We're about to find out. And I will say, Joni, that you have probably only been mentioned uh, (laughs) second to sediment diversions in this show in terms of... And Chip Klein. We have to talk about Chip Klein. Klein. Yeah, we have to talk about Chip Klein. Uh, Chet on needs to rack up some some names here. needs to rack up some some shout-outs. So, Jenny. Can I call you Jenny? (laughs) Sure, Camille. You can call me Jenny. <laughs> um, so, a little backstory. Um, Joni and I went to college together. I think we were soulmates for a long time before that. But we went to college together. We went to good old Nickel State University. Um, we were together a little bit. And then Joni moved to the other side of the world. That's a long story. A long story. And then she came back to us. And okay. we are so glad to have you back. Um, but, Joni, you are a Blanchard from Napoleonville? Uh, Labadieville. Labadie. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Pick the right Ville. <laughs> St. Philomena Parish. Yes, indeed. Assumption uh, High. I am, a, I am an assumption. Uh, so, Jacques, native. you probably didn't know this, but um, Joni went to high school with Rudy Simino. Simino from CPRA. It is CPRA. such a small world. I know we were talking about some other mutual friends that we have. Yes. Um, some of them work in the coastal space. 
too. There's a, there's a lot of Assumption Parish natives. So, <laughs> so I heard Joni say the other day that Rudy sat behind her in Spanish too, and that's probably why Rudy passed. <laughs> I didn't say that part. You said that part. I did. Hablas <laughs> español? <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, so, Joni from Lapidiville. Yes. So, tell us a little bit about growing up on the bayou. So, literally grew up on the bayou. So that the house uh, the house we had when I was a kid. Uh, was on Bayou Lafouche, and so that was always that's always been a very big part. Did of you swim in the Bayou? I did not swim in the Bayou. Good. Okay. I knew better than that, even at <laughs> such a young, tender age, because there were alligators, and they would eat the baby turtles in and, the backyard and raw sewage and raw then. sewage, yeah. and they would chase the ducks. So uh, it was it was a no. <laughs> the swimming sewage zone. would chase the ducks. No, the alligators. <laughs> oh. chase the sewage was there good the fishing ducks. off that Bayou? Uh, no, off your backyard. See, see the sewage <laughs> comment earlier. <laughs> <laughs> So you grew up there. You went. You went to Louisiana school for a little while. Hello, you came back home. Came back yeah. home. You went to ULL. You finished at Nichols. Yes. You were a park ranger. I was a park ranger. That you were a college. federal employee. Uh, yes. I will. If I ever go back, I will keep my sick leave. Did you keep so, the hat? Uh, yes. They let you keep the hat. Of course they did. It's, it's one of my prized possessions. What park? Uh, Jean Lafitte National Historical mm-hmm. Park and Preserves Wetlands Acadian Cultural Center. Wow, that is a mouthful, but it is a beautiful spot of Louisiana. It is. It's a good spot. It's a good spot. They have six sites all over South Louisiana, and I worked at the site in Thibodeau. So do they still do the boat rides in the bayou? They do. They do still do the boat rides in the bayou. It's so nice. It really is nice out there. They have a nice boardwalk, and Angela's really great over there. She's awesome. I'm contractually obligated to say that. She's godmother to my twins. Um, (laughs) but, uh, But the cool thing about the boat tours is that it tells that comprehensive story of how we live here, we work here. And how the resource dictates who we are and where we live and, and what we eat and why we drink. So you worked at Bitnap? I did. I did. Tell I us what Bitnap stands for. Baratari Terrebonne National Estuary Program. What did you do for them? I was the public involvement coordinator. <gasps> so I handled uh, informal education, uh, government rails, media, policy, and uh, started the volunteer program, which is how I came to fall in love with Port Fouchon. It is a robust volunteer program, too, by the way. Well, I like to think I laid a good foundation. Yes, yeah, so a bitnap is is a good friend to restore a retreat. They certainly get that uh, public involvement. We don't really do too much of that. We do a lot of the policy and project involvements, and they are spectacular at doing the plantings and trying to get people involved. Jacques and I, at the end of our show, try to talk about ways that people can get involved at the end of the show, and there's not always a lot of opportunities, and we are grateful for BitNAP and CRCL and some of our other partners that create those opportunities for people to get their hands dirty and to put their boots on to go out on a Saturday and, and get to work. So going through your resume, you didn't, you didn't move across the world. Um, you worked for Melbourne Water. I did. Melbourne. You Melbourne. have a great Australian accent, too. Oh, mate. <laughs> Don't even. Did you like the Vegemite? Uh, no, that is horrible. It is a byproduct <laughs> of the brewing process. Write that down. So you did not buy off on that. But tell <laughs> no. us, um, since it's National Infrastructure Week, tell us yeah. what you did over there. So uh, when I worked for Melbourne Water, I was uh, a manager of communications and approvals for capital delivery and had two and a half billion out of a five year, five billion. That's billion with a B? With a B. Yeah. It's infrastructure. We don't talk about millions in infrastructure. We (laughs) talk about billions. Fair enough. Um, And so we did a lot of asset renewal. We had some old water mains that were over 120 years old. Uh, Some of them were made out of cast iron or even like wood. Ooh. Like barrels mm-hmm. and uh, coated in, in canvas and, and pine the prisoners pulp. made those. The prisoners probably did make those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, we built a huge water pipeline um, through the Great Dividing Range. Controversial, quite controversial. People tried to run me over with their car. It was uh, it was a good old fashioned fight. 
So then you moved back to Louisiana? And then I did, yeah, but I didn't run. So <laughs> I was not chased back by angry villagers, <laughs> so it's good. Well, uh, shifting it back to this side of the pond. Um, so, Joni, we're obviously talking about um, Infrastructure Week, and nowhere is that more important than here in Louisiana um, and our work, through, through our working coast. So you're obviously very prone to talking about the working coast. You, you know, elevate it. We were talking to journalists about it a few weeks ago. So for those who may not be familiar with that, you know, concept, what is the working coast and why is it important? So the working coast is is the space between the water and the land that is in active production, right? So, and that can be anything. It can be the commercial fishery. It can be the oil and gas industry. It can be servicing the energy industry. Um, it can be, you know, timber, mining, any of those sorts of things that's, that's making a commercial living off of the natural resources along the coast. And nobody is more tethered to the natural resource uh, than the people of South Louisiana. I think, I think that's very fair to say. And, you know, I mean, it's not just the, the people here in South Louisiana or in the state of Louisiana that benefit, right? It's a national benefit. And, you know, sometimes we get these knuckleheads that like to say, well, why don't they, those people pick up and move and pick up their businesses and just move further north? Do you agree with that statement? And if so or not, why not? <laughs> um, so, so absolutely not. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like you asked about Melbourne water. So you work for a water utility. People do not like it when the sewage backs up into the shower and they like it when clean water comes out of the tap. But nobody likes to see how it's done, right? And our working coast is responsible for some really dirty jobs. They're responsible for commercial fishing is, you know, shrimping ain't easy, right? Um, it's a dirty job. It's you have that bumper sticker? I don't have that bumper sticker, but I know I feel like you does. should. Um, <laughs> and, so is, and so is the energy industry. It is difficult, hard, hard work to do, um, and it is resource intensive. And not everybody wants to see that in their front yard, and yet... They all need to drive somewhere. Everybody needs some sort of plastic or, or petrochemical product in their lives every minute of every day. Um, and if you don't have us, we can move fine, but you're going to go back to the to the dark ages. And I hope you like, you know, cooking over a campfire if that's what you need to do. But the working coast is absolutely essential to the American character. We literally feed and fuel the nation. Literally, literally. So, Joni, Bruce Culpepper, the president of uh, Shell Oil Company, this week wrote about the need to invest in America's ports as part of the National Infrastructure Week. You work at a port. I do. What's the port's name? Port Fouchon. Nice. I I like it. The Fou. The Fou. Um, Tell us, you know, he wrote about that investment as part of National Infrastructure Week. Tell us about what he wrote and if you agree and how y'all see that, really, that investment in Port Fouchon. Yeah, well, what he wrote was actually a lot like what we were just talking about, how, you know, infrastructure that people see are the roads that they drive on, the traffic that they get mad at, the, the road rage that they curse at on the, on the bridges in Baton Rouge. But the infrastructure that people don't see but are absolutely connected to is our nation's ports. So you don't get any of the products that you need without a port. Um, and the ports of Louisiana, particularly and especially, are responsible for employing one in every five people in the state. Um, and so we have this massive network that is, tremendously critical, not just to us, but to the rest of the nation. And so what what Mr. Culpepper was writing about is that you might not see it and you might not know about it, but it's completely essential and they are totally underserved and have been underfunded and underinvested in for a very long time. And so what he's talking about is how do we put in place some strategies to preserve and protect the funding, right? Protect the funding um, that is supposed to be going to America's ports um, and how do we develop new strings for additional investment? 
So, Joni, um, real quick before we hit the break, why don't you tell us a little bit about Port Fouchon and, and how big y'all are and, and what your annual budget is for some people that might not know too much about Port Fouchon? Sure. So we are the southernmost port in the state of Louisiana. You actually have to drive north to go to Grand Isle. We are the centralmost port on the entire U.S. Gulf Coast from Texas to Florida. And so that makes us the perfect jumping off point for servicing the offshore energy industry. Um, and so we actually service about 20% of the nation's oil supply passes through. Or of the whole nation. The whole country. One in every five barrels of oil in the country passes through our port. Um, and so it's obviously tremendously important. Uh, we're sitting on about 1,800 acres that are developed for industry. Um, and we also have a robust uh, environmental mitigation program. To go we with want, that. We'll talk about yeah, later. we definitely want to talk about that after the break. Um, but before we go, fun question for Joni Tuck. She's like, I think she's been sweating this out all day about Since nervous, Uh-oh. so nervous. But it is so easy, Joni. What is your favorite muffin? My favorite muffin? I'm not a muffin man. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the muffin man. Uh, I'm more of a I'm more of a chocolate croissant kind of girl. Nice, I say it. nice. Okay, thank, thank you. As long as it doesn't have Vegemite on it, right? No Vegemite, no. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. Hello, this is Delta Dispatches, and you're back with Jacques Hebert. And Simone Malalz. And Miss Joni Tuck. Hey. So, Joni, you are um, external relations manager for the Port Fouchon and South Lafouche Port Commission. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Yes, that's true. I certainly am. Oh, great. And I have to ask you, so you didn't spend too much time at Blue Bayou, did you, growing up? No, no. I only went once. But you had a Blue Bayou type place down in... in... We did. We had Waterland USA over in good old Homa, Louisiana. But it ain't there no more. But it ain't there no more. All right. they remediated the site. (laughs) Well, that's a shame. But um, moving on to more... I had a party there, too. It was pretty fun. Moving on to more positive stories. Um, So, you know, as I mentioned, we were out um, touring Port Fouchon. We got to see a lot of the great restoration and action that you all have um, produced and kind of are supporting. So can you tell us a little bit about the specific restoration that Port Fouchon supports and does on its own property? Yeah, absolutely. So first in our own portfolio. So as we develop the port, we're actually dredging slips in shallow open water. Um, And so we have to mitigate by constructing wetlands to offset that habitat loss. And so this year, we are the thousand acres of wetlands uh, recreated through that mitigation portfolio. Um, we've also partnered with our good friends, BitNep, as, as Simone gave him a shout out earlier. Um, it's the Chenier Ridge that used to be on the map. Uh, some of those trees that we first planted 12 years ago are now 15 feet tall. And when you walk out there, you, know, you have to walk on a platform of marsh for about a mile of marsh that had degraded into open water and is now our mitigation marsh. And you hear the birds from that mile away. It's it's absolutely breathtaking. It's a great experience. And next Fouchon Friday, we should go. Well, I know um, Dr. Eric Johnson, who was on the show a few a while back, you know, certainly loves that area and loves seeing the restoration action and the birds that have come as a result. Um, but, you know, more broadly, we're obviously it's National Infrastructure Week and we're talking about, you know, the coastal master plan and stuff. But from the perspective of the port, why are projects in the master plan and why is the master plan important? So we take the approach that um, in order to be resilient, you have to approach it holistically. And so, look, we can build higher and harder, and we do. Um, after every iteration of port development, we build our base uh, land elevations higher than the iteration before. After every storm, everybody's complying with new uh, building codes and guidelines that are now 150 mile an hour wind load ratings and, and base flood elevations that are higher than ever before. And that's great on the hard asset side. But you need a protective buffer. You need a natural protective buffer, and that's 
that's marshes, that's headlands, that's barrier islands, um, that's those chenier forested ridges as well. And so we, every speck of sand that we dredge within the port is used beneficially. We either build development land with it or we build wetlands with it. And we build those wetlands in an area that is a, a place that is naturally protecting the port infrastructure that we've built. We choose not to go and pay into a mitigation bank somewhere else. We, we want to place that material where we know it's going to do us some good. And it absolutely has. If you look at um, the, the damage that was done for Hurricane Katrina and you look, the Maritime Forest Ridge was there and absolutely acted as a storm surge buffer. There was a ton of debris that was hung up on the backside of the ridge that did not impact the port. That's water that didn't get to the port. Uh, that's damaging pieces of stuff that didn't get to the port either. My coffee table came from uh, Katrina debris on top of the ridge. It's really pretty cool piece. So we need this massive plain just to protect us and surround us as nature intended it to be, right? Uh, we, we built near the coast because, you know, water is everybody's lifeblood. But at the time that we built all these places, there was a lot more protection around it. And so we, we try to mimic that as much as possible, which is why we absolutely wholeheartedly support the Coastal Master Plan. There's a lot in there that protects us. There's a lot in there that protects critical infrastructure right across the state. And we feel that that is tremendously important, not just for us, but for everybody else and every other working community along that working coast. So selfishly, you know, Restore Retreat um, has to give a tremendous shout out to the Greater Lafourche Port Commission. They were one of the ones that started our organization over 17 years ago. And they've always led on this issue that they didn't have to be a leader on, frankly. And it's been a wonderful partnership for us throughout all these years. And now I really think you have not just an industry leader, but a real just overall leader and somebody like Chet Chasson, who's the who's the executive director at the port now. He just gets it. He grew up in South Lafouche. He still lives there. He loves to hunt, play, live, work down there. And so he has been a tremendous leader. And it's never been a question of why should I support it? It's always just been how can I support it? He and I um, serve on the governor's advisory commission. He has a very important role on the state's financing corporation. So shout out to your leadership, your port commission has always been tremendously supported and frankly we're seeing people want to mimic that partnership um all across the coast and so selfishly um you know i had to have to give a huge shout out to you guys and all the support that you give us not just financial but every time i call up and <laughs> ask them a favor every time they do it um every time and so i am very grateful for that well we're very grateful for you guys as well it's been a great relationship and we appreciate it so one of our recent trips we went out to see caminata that's one of our favorite places to go just really quickly just rattle off all the people that you can think of off the top of your head that have seen caminata oh my god um so like half of our state delegation most of them so you know you got z and tanner and um we have had we've brought journalists down we were on npr we want all things considered so we had the incomparable debbie elliott was out there um you guys have been out there multiple times um david muth but we've also had uh staffers from from all over dc um on on both sides of the party lines uh both house natural resources and others uh the coast guard actually brought folks down um in transportation and we brought them to the beach as well and explained the, the benefit of the, the project and how important it is to, to protect our, our navigation assets as well. Yeah, Iowa Public Television. Oh, yeah, yeah, you get John calls. Thornton, loved it. <laughs> you get calls from everywhere. What was your favorite? I, I, you know what? That's like asking me to choose between my children. <laughs> Clearly, between us, the girls. Right? No, <laughs> obviously, no. 
Well, uh, so tell us a little bit about, you know, Elmer's Island and the Caminata Headlands, right? It's the largest restoration project completed to date. Yes, absolutely. It is a, it is a showpiece for restoration. And I remember when I first started working for the port, I've only been working for the port for about three years. And Caminata was under construction. And Simone's like, look, I'm taking some people out. Can we go? And I'm like, sure. Do I talk go. like that? No, you don't. You're actually much bossier. But I was trying to be nice for the radio. And uh, and I remember going because, you know, as Simone mentioned, I've worked in restoration for many years, moved away, and then came back. And at the point in time when I moved away was 2007 when the first master plan was being brought in for a landing. And there were so many people saying, oh, y'all are never going to do that. They, you know what? They're going to make another plan. They're never going to build nothing. And to walk out there and see this massive dredge pipe spewing land that came from Ship Shoal, which was something people had talked about for 30 years. And it was like, oh, yeah, we're not doing it. Look at it. We are doing it. Not only can we do it, but we do it and we do it every day. And now you're walking on it. And now we're walking on it. Well, not by the birds. And the the bird, not by the birds. Not by the birds, but elsewhere. I did see some baby birds the other day. They're very cute. (laughs) So, Joni, thank you again so much. Um, We'll have to have you back on, but you know the shout outs won't stop. (laughs) (laughs) We're afraid. Can't stop, won't stop. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, you, Camille. All right. Joni Tuck, External Relations Manager with the Greater Lafouche Port Commission. um, Website. Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, com, And we're at the Twitter at, at the Fouchon Port because somebody hijacked our domain. But everywhere else, we are at Port Fouchon on Facebook and Instagram. So great. Thank you again, Joni, for joining us. Um, let's wrap up the show, Giacomo. So pretty good show. Pretty good guests. It's yeah. good to be back. It's hard to top next week. In, I know, studio. <laughs> what are our plans for next week? I guess we got to figure that out. <laughs> this is always the way, yeah. what we have to do is yeah. figure it out. So last thing, still not too late to support the Coastal Master Plan. through. Yeah. Um, it still has to go through the house. So go to our website, MississippiRiverDelta.org slash take action and make sure the members of the house Louisiana State House know how important the master plan is. And Selfishly Restore Retreat has our annual meeting next week. We have uh, Justin Aaronworth, the president and CEO of the Water Institute of the Gulf, who's going to be our keynote speaker. You can find more information on our Facebook page or on our website. So until next week, Shakamo. All right. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Delta Dispatches. <laughs>